At Robert Half, we know how to connect people to meaningful and exciting roles. We know how to bring clients the talent they need to confidently compete and grow. Because at Robert Half, we know talent. To another episode of What the HR, an award-winning podcast. I'm Jesse Novi. And I'm Mike Toole. The What the HR podcast explores how to build people-centric businesses through modern practices and approaches. New episodes are released frequently, so don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Joel Pollack, who is the founder and CEO of Percent Pledge. He's also a board director at Lymphoma Research Foundation. Joel grew up in philanthropy, which drove his passion for doing good, and then he built Percent Pledge to make workplace philanthropy easy for businesses of all sizes. So I'm sure you can guess uh, that's what we're going to be chatting about on today's episode is making philanthropy easy for all businesses and how Percent Pledge can help with that. It was an incredible conversation. Um, one that's kind of personally near and dear to my heart as I'm a big fan of philanthropy and organizations who help um, their communities and the people that work um, at their organizations make an impact to the communities in which they live and work. And Percent Pledge is supporting those efforts. So I hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. As always, uh, please do us a huge favor head out onto your favorite podcast platform, leave us both a rating and a review. Doing both of those things really ensures that our podcast episodes are making the greatest reach to other HR professionals and business leaders that could benefit from our guests and our incredible topics. Thank you so much for being a What the HR podcast listener and enjoy the episode. All right, Joel, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited uh, for the conversation. Yeah, likewise. Uh, easy way of getting started for our audience. Can you tell everybody who you are? Uh, I know we want to talk about Percent Pledge, so maybe dive into you know how you started that, what it is, what it does. But take us back a little bit. Tell us more about yourself, your career, and where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll I'll try and uh, keep this as brief as possible, but but take you you know far back and and really. This sort of journey and uh, started before I was in the workforce. Um, I, I kind of grew up in the space quite literally. My, my dad had started a, a nonprofit about 25 years ago. And so I, I knew what CSR, corporate social responsibility was, what a you know donor advised fund was when I was like eight. And, um, and we always had kind of a culture of philanthropy in our family. Um, and I... I took that with me, but I, I candidly did not think I would be working in the space. My brother and I both, uh, you know, we joke about this now. We were both like, dad runs a nonprofit. Let's go make as much money as possible. And I started my career in B2B, SaaS, uh, sales and marketing, and then as well transitioned into um, B2B strategy consulting and and did that for a number of years. And ironically, that was kind of what brought me back here to to start Percent Pledge. And ironically, it was kind of a, a perfect 
um, beginning to my career to give me that experience and understanding to put me in a unique position to build this mission of business. And um, and and the uh, the kind of way we got here was me um, getting to a point with uh, where I was following through. My my brother and I said to each other. I was working as a consultant, making good money. I wanted to start my own kind of giving journey, and and it was difficult for me to do so as a young professional. I, I didn't know exactly where to start. My my consulting firm didn't have a uh, giving or volunteering program in place, and I thought, okay, well, I should have asymmetrical information about how to do this correctly um, and and effectively, and so if it if it's challenging for me, it might be challenging for others. And and that kind of started me on this journey of, I put my consulting chops to work, did uh, surveys and interviews with about a thousand young professionals, as well as about a hundred businesses of different sizes. And, um, and, and that's really what led to Percent Pledge. And when I did that, I, I found that there for young professionals were kind of three main challenges. It was the the not knowing where to start. You know, I want to give back more, but there's millions of charities out there. I know what causes I care about, but I don't know who I should support. There, number two was the kind of misnomer about what it means to be a philanthropist. That it was like, oh, I don't know if I can make an impact, right? I, do I, I need to put my name on a library to be a philanthropist? And which isn't true. You know, you just you, being a philanthropist is just kind of making giving a habit a part of your life. And and then the third challenge was um, was the transparency piece. You know, OK, I I do give back or when I do give back, maybe infrequently, we kept hearing I like to give back more. I give back when my buddy's running a marathon or God forbid, when something bad happens, health related in my family or friends. But I would like to to get back more frequently. But when I do, I I don't know where that goes, how it's being put to work, and it's almost this kind of negative feedback loop when you do something good, but then you don't have that you know closure and understanding of of the impact. And so we uh, started by building uh, a platform to try and solve those issues. And and at the time it was just as a side project and the initial. Uh, platform percent pledge. Really, the the first kernel was okay. I'm a millennial. I have a subscription for everything in my life. Why don't I have a subscription for giving? And so, could we build a plat a subscription giving platform that solved those three challenges? And did that as a side project. Had about just a couple hundred, you know, users. And, it, and our origins were kind of B two C, direct to consumer. Six months in. It was working. Um, we had a 100% retention once everyone started giving. They just kept giving, and so that was kind of the turning point that led to where we are now. Was okay. There's something here, uh, but either you know we go viral, which is a prayer and not a plan, or like, is there a way to turn this into a, a sustainable mission? And that was where my work experience in in B2B business to business really. Um, set me up for success because we just saw, okay, well, what if we just, we don't need to make a pivot. Let's just kind of extend the value chain. And is there value problems we could solve for businesses evolving the technology and platform, bringing this into companies, accessing the users, their employees that way. And, 
And so that's what we did and, and validated that there were some unique problems for businesses we could solve as well and came to market in, in 2020 and have grown the, the the platform and mission from there and, and really now become almost like a CSR in a box for, for businesses of all sizes. So folks mm-hmm. that are going from like DIY CSR, but, you know, we're doing stuff in spreadsheets and totally manually and kind of using our our technology and team to bring them from the stone age into the 21st century um, or companies that have existing uh, workplace giving and volunteering programs, but don't have the right systems or have old legacy systems and turn to, to our modern technology to say, hey, can you help us with automating our matching donations, managing our volunteer time off policy, making it easy for employees to engage in these programs that drive just really awesome and positive engagement, which is what, you know, the companies are wanting to do. And, and then if we can succeed at that, they get, you know, the other kind of butterfly effects of these programs, which is they, you know, make the companies look good. They really help employer brand and, then the other kind of win-win-win that happens simultaneously is, is you know, the doing good that they these programs impact local communities, and and so we've been on that mission and now uh, have just continued to grow it and again serve businesses of all sizes, kind of across industries, which is great for us because there isn't really, you know, a specific industry. All businesses, uh, you know, can can value uh, and benefit from these programs. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to go into the report that you guys recently released, but I am curious when you shifted from B2C to B2B, what were some of the challenges you learned that companies were having around volunteering and philanthropy? Yeah, it was, there were a number of them and and they also, the one thing I'll note is they did, they did tend to differ by size of company, or maybe almost like by maturity of program. Um, like, as I mentioned, there were the kind of fault line we think about is like the the DIY CSR programs of like doing something super manual, super sporadic versus having a program in place, but not seeing success or having the wrong tools or old tools to help manage it. And so the challenges that, that we saw and, and heard from um, what I did with those is use the um, the jobs to be done framework, if you're familiar with it. So we did about 75 jobs to be done interviews that are kind of like deep dive qualitative interviews with these businesses. And the so we heard that the manual workload being a big challenge of, hey, it's, you know, our HR team or our people team or maybe at larger companies are. We have a dedicated CSR, corporate social responsibility, or like a social impact team. Um, We're trying to manage these programs. And often, like a lot of HR functions, the expectation of outcomes and success doesn't match, you know, the funding and input uh, that is provided. And so it was, hey, we're being asked to create a lot of success with not as much, you know, inputs as we would need. And so everything being super manual in terms of us helping employees engage in the program, having matching donation forms, things like that, and then having to manually try and measure and track engagement as well as like outcomes and impact reporting was 
probably the biggest challenge that we heard. Um, mm -hmm. And and then as well, there were some compliance pieces because this is often somewhat of like the uh, unspoken thing or, or maybe just like un unknown is especially when you're thinking about like matching donation programs or any program that's you know related to philanthropic giving it donation you know tax deductible donations are part of like the tax code and the irs and like everything related to taxes is kind of complicated and requires some you know compliance and understanding and so there were also challenges there and even we still see today some companies that are like accidentally doing something wrong uh, not maliciously but just because this is a complicated thing to do right um yeah. so there were were some of that expertise uh barrier and then on the volunteering side in particular it was um it was a few things the the for for employees engaging it was how do we organize opportunities that bring our employees together and kind of leverage like we think of volunteering as like team bonding on steroids and so how do we create those volunteer opportunities for employees which get back a little bit to the manual piece it's really hard to organize plan team corporate mm -hmm. volunteer events and a lot of the times the people that are being asked to do that they it's not their day job. You know, they have a full-time job that is not related to that. And so they didn't have, they don't have the bandwidth or the expertise to do that effectively, which then doesn't lead to this sort of participation, you know, that they want to drive and doesn't lead to, you know, the participation matching the motivation and enthusiasm that employees have. And, and then the, the other piece on the volunteering front, um, uh, had a lot to do with kind of, and this has evolved over time a bit, but is this local versus global? Is it in-person or is it remote and virtual? And we've even seen a lot of that transition both during COVID and then coming out of COVID. You know, as, as an example, we one of the things that we do for companies is we have a whole team that actually does all of that volunteer event planning so we plan and manage and organize team-wide events company service days do all of that kind of matchmaking with the nonprofit partners and if if a company has employees in multiple states you know organizing something that is multi-location maybe trying to serve the same cause theme that gets infinitely more complicated and then also um with that part of the business that is kind of one of the more recent pieces it it started um right before covid we've now done maybe at a organized maybe like 350 400 company event service days in like 26 or so different countries but we um we were doing all of those mostly in person and then covid hit i'll never forget like the black thursday i call it in march of 2020 when it was like okay we had like 10 events set up for, for customers and they all got canceled on the same day for obvious safety reasons um, and everything moved to virtual. So then it became, okay, how can we create virtual volunteer experiences because so many companies had volunteer programs that they were doing that were employees loved and they got essentially turned off when COVID turned off in-person work. 
So how can we still have volunteer experiences that are meaningful in a virtual setting and that isn't just putting an in-person thing on Zoom? Um, and so we then really shifted focus and built out a lot of a, a focus around virtual volunteering. And, and ironically, that's persisted even after COVID because we're seeing now that so many of our customers are just, they're a lot more geographically widespread than before. And, and that that is going to remain. And, and so even though in-person volunteering has come back in a big way, um, it's still now companies have challenges with how do we, they, they just don't know about virtual volunteering. They don't know how to do it. Uh, don't know how to set it up, make it successful. And they're looking at, being challenged with our, we have remote employees everywhere. And how can we leverage virtual volunteering to connect those employees that are in tons of different locations and make their volunteer experience as meaningful as if we were all together live as a group? Hey, HR professionals, do you have too many things on your plate with just not enough time to do it? That's where we come in. Vision One can help seamlessly fill those gaps and elevate your HR team. Whether it be strategic and data-driven HR practices, attracting and retaining best-in-class candidates, or HR audits, just to name a few, our team is dedicated to understanding your unique needs and helping you achieve your goals. Check out all our HR offerings and schedule a free consultation at visiononeperformance.com. So are you guys working with the volunteer organizations as well? So you're actually finding those opportunities, pushing them to the platform. So that's a that seems like a big lift off of HR, right? They don't have to go out and find these opportunities. Is that did I understand that correctly? That's exactly right. Yeah. Maybe okay. like a simple way to put it is is like the Businesses are our customers, the, their employees are, you know, our users and the nonprofits are kind of like our partners and suppliers of yep. sorts. So uh, it is that work of us playing, you know, matchmaker um, of a company saying, OK, we we want to focus on workforce equity or we want to focus on youth and education or on we're a financial services company. We want to focus on financial literacy. and we have employees in these locations. We want to do a service day on this day or time. And so then our work is saying, okay, well, we're going to do all of the planning and take that heavy lift off your plate. But then we're going to do that kind of matchmaking work as well to say, all right, here are different nonprofit partners that we work with, or often we're forming new partnerships as needed um, to find and kind of scope those different partnerships and um, so to do the heavy lifting as well as do that connection of business customer and and nonprofit partner. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, so you recently dropped a research research report. Hey, oh, just just as you know, what's up? Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Before we get into the resource research yeah. report, since we were kind of talking a little bit about service offerings and and about the platform. Joel, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about the impact reporting, because I think it's it's pretty robust and really valuable, likely, to your customer partner. So can you just share a little bit about that piece of your offerings? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and as well, like you mentioned, the service component is our our customers sort of think as percent pledge, like they call it like tech plus 
So it's sort of, you know, we have our platform and main SaaS offering, um, and then and then some of those additional services like the volunteer event planning. And part of that, um, part of that though, which is largely connected to the, the platform and SaaS piece is that impact reporting. And, and um, we, we call them our, our pledge reports, but we send, you know, our admins and customer main points of contact. They have their own dashboard on the platform and they can download all of their data at any time. Um, and often they'll leverage that for their ESG reports or their annual CSR reports. Um, so that they're again trying to remove that time and lift we kept hearing also from those interviews to your question earlier mike we kept hearing hey we're doing stuff but then in q4 we have to spend three weeks trying to go back find everything we did throughout the year find the data see what the participation was what nonprofits we helped what impact we made and we need to package that together into a full annual report for our board shareholders your public company for you know our external marketing and so we wanted to take that eliminate that that you shouldn't need to spend you know a month at the end of the year bringing all this together and and also with those reports those pledge reports i mentioned in addition to the dashboard and having access to the data we actually send impact reports we deliver that each month on a per employee and on a company-wide level and and that was that was back to those origins as B2C of trying to solve that problem around transparency for our users that like, luckily we built that into the fabric early on and then it's grown from there. And, and we've seen it be really important in a couple of ways for, for the company reports that are sent out each month. It almost like for the HR people, professionals, a lot of our main customer contacts, it like automates the program adoption and recruitment and communication because those reports get shared with all employees at the company and then the drumbeat just keeps going and they don't need to be constantly reminding employees about this program and these benefits because that does it and employees will see all the impact and then either they'll be happy because they were a part of that or they'll say oh well, I, I haven't you know contributed to this yet and I want to go do that um, and then the employee reports that those are sent to each employee that engages, they get their own personal report with just their data and the, the company reports are aggregated and we keep things aggregated and anonymized. So it's not, you know, Jamie volunteered here, Ben didn't, um, it, it's just showing that aggregated total. But for those employee reports that for us since the beginning has been a, um, our like guiding principle there has been gratitude and, because so often what we what we also kept hearing early on and keep hearing now is, you know, if you volunteer with an organization or you donate to a nonprofit, then you're getting emails until the end of time all the time about just more calls to action and them kind of trying to hit you up more and more. And so we didn't want those impact reports to be that because we wanted, you know, the person already engaged in some way and they might continue to, they already made an impact. And so those reports are really less about just these continuing calls to action and more so about, hey, we wanna provide you and keep you in the know about, you know, you did this, you donated, you volunteered, here's the impact that it had, here's how that contribution is 
you know, being put to work by the organizations that you're supporting. And again, just really having that be a act of gratitude as opposed to like an ongoing sales pitch. I really like that because there's a there's always a little bit of selfishness in giving because it makes you feel something as well. And I think yeah. you hear it a lot of and I think that's OK. I think it's I mean, it's for good reasons. And but I, I think people do have that desire to understand the impact. What what I did, what did it do? Um, it's not necessarily why you did it in the first place, but it means something to people. And so I, I really like that you guys have done that. Have you found um, in the way that you are providing these impact reports, has it increased like the number of hours, number of dollars donated? Like, can you tie it back to that? Yeah, we we can in, in a couple of different ways. And the, the main way that we tie it back is um, is through participation and engagement, which is one of the big metrics for our customers, right? They want to have as many of their employees participating in these programs because of frankly, exactly what you mentioned, Mike, that like the giving is a selfish act in many ways. It, it, um, and I, I could geek out on this for hours, but there's like scientific studies even between like finding neural links between giving back and like increased levels of happiness. And yeah. for businesses, it on the retention piece that we spoke to earlier is one of the you know main business values that our customers get out of this. If employees can engage in this program, it, it just it's creating this positive association between my employer and the causes and communities that I care about most. And that positive association is very meaningful for um, you know the employee and also valuable for the employer. And so we really, with those reports, have have always focused and looked at over time on um, on guiding and seeing both repeat engagement that folks that are, are engaging, do they continue to engage in some way? Um, and again, those aren't those reports are not sales pitches, but are they, when they receive those reports, are they later coming back to the platform and engaging again in that? We have seen um, measurable success with, with folks once they do engage, continuing to engage more in new ways. And, mm -hmm. then, um, and then as well, just with the overall participation, it has been really meaningful for us because we have, um, and this is something that I'm kind of most proud of uh, across the team and work we put in, um, we have the highest average participation in, in the industry like by a wide margin. Uh, mm -hmm. Like we're um, on average right around 40% in participation engagement with our programs. And if if they have benefits like matching donations or gift donations or volunteer time off hours that even goes higher like often well above 50 percent and generally our uh, our customers their expectation and kind of the industry average is like between 10 to 15 to 20 percent and those impact reports have been one of the biggest drivers um, of that higher participation engagement you know that we often see and something we we continue continually measure is um, is we we will see when we send those reports out each month the company reports there will be like measurable upticks in new engagement new adoption from again folks seeing hey I, I this is awesome how our collective impact is growing I haven't gotten in on this yet I want to get in on it and so they'll get onto the platform and engage and and that piece has been just really great to see how can we 
drive, frankly, just more success for for our customers um, through providing that transparency. Yeah, and I would imagine those the company impact reports are a good recruiting tool as well. I you know I think about most companies nowadays they want to find people that can identify with their mission. Uh, and what the company stands for. Have you seen a lot of your customers utilizing those those reports for recruiting purposes? And have you seen or heard that that's been helping? Yeah, there's there's been really um, short answers, yes, and, and really in three main ways. The um, the first of which is on like the recruiting job sites, like almost all of them now built in, Indeed, Glassdoor, et cetera. They all have, um, whether it's like under the culture category or the often now they have like a social impact and community category. And so our customers, our customers are able to pull information, you know, from our platform and partnership in their dashboard, but also there's impact reports to fill those sections up so that when prospective hires are looking at what is it like to work at this company, what are their values, um, they're able to see that. and the the second way is that they'll share those those uh reports publicly like we kind of make them and that's another reason why we have them like aggregated anonymized um is they'll share those on linkedin or elsewhere um to have that the same way that they have internal transparency right they can provide that external transparency um and and then the third way is actually related to those uh to those volunteer events that we had mentioned earlier what when we do those full service events in addition to planning we actually provide customers with um, a full impact report for the event or the service day um, after the fact for each one that we do so that's another one that almost all all the time our customers will share that with their external community and stakeholders as well because it just even more so than the aggregated report sometimes that story of impact with the stats and pictures of their employees volunteering and videos or what have you it it just really helps to communicate the message that they want to mm-hmm. so i want to go into that research research having a hard time with that word for some reason say research report i know we only have about 10 minutes left um, so we'll go quick but I'm, I'm really curious maybe explain just what the research report was, but then what were some of the unique findings that you found within that report? Yeah, absolutely. And um, first and foremost to your question on what it was, um, we one of the, the parts of our, our solution that's just kind of free and included for all customers is um, we do a employee passion assessment, and then we put together a company-wide passion report. So it it's just this like customized kind of survey that when we when we start partnerships, we have all employees complete this. This quick assessment takes the employee maybe three to five minutes and we're able to then gather all of this amazing data on, frankly, like what they care about and how they want to engage, because as like it's pretty intuitive a lot of it of you know people care about different things different causes communities um and they want to engage in different ways you know some folks want to volunteer their time some want to donate their money a majority want to do both and have kind of choice and 
So we we do these with customers and the report that we put together, each customer then when we complete the passion assessment gets their own company passion report that has all of the insights that were provided by their employees, what causes they care about, how they want to engage, when they want to volunteer, it breaks it breaks it down by location as well so they can see a full picture and then you know oftentimes they're like great and then we're going to give our office managers or team leads at every of our offices the sub report for their employees in particular and it's really valuable that for them to have data to make the program just more bottoms up and like it it's also for us we feel one of those kind of like cheat codes to drive higher engagement is hey this program is really meant to hopefully engage a lot of your employees. Let's find out what they care about and how they want to be engaged. Um, and so the report that we uh, that we put together, the Employee Giving Trends Report, is essentially a community version of the company passion reports that we do for each customer. So it's looking, it looked across a sample of, um, I think in the last year, it was a, a sample of 16 or 20,000 or so employees from a whole variety of, of customers and looking across the sample of employees at different uh, companies and different industries, employer sizes, et cetera, what are the overall numbers look like? And so that, that's what this report shared. And really, I mean, I'm biased, of course, but, um, but, but had some really awesome insights for for both you know our customers as well as us and that you know we shared this publicly and have had a ton of engagement with it insights for companies that are thinking about these programs either to launch them um, and want help with building that business case or to kind of revamp or improve existing programs and um so that that is maybe a very detailed a long-winded way of kind of how what the report is and and then to speak to some of those key findings. Um, the we we saw both that the enthusiasm around these programs was high, which is not wasn't rocket science or necessarily novel to us. Um, but you know, ninety three percent of of employees across this massive sample feel that it's important their company offers these opportunities to do good at work, which does it does importantly break kind of a misnomer that often we see like a lot of C-suites or managers have that like, oh, we we know a majority of our people give back, but they do that outside of work. They'll do it on their own. But understanding of, you know, hey, they yeah, they might do it on their own, but they do also want to be able to bring, you know, their passions with them to their experience at your company. And and then not just that, but an even higher percent is 95% of employees want to engage in these programs. So that is a, a difference between folks thinking it's important, but actually wanting to do it and be motivated to engage. And and then some of the other key findings that we found, we continue to see that there is a really big diversity in the causes that employees care about. Um, last year and some previous years, you know, animal welfare, the environment, youth and education, they kind of remain in the top five when you're thinking about 20 or so different causes. We've seen though, um, hunger and homelessness, racial equity, disaster relief kind of continue 
almost be on the rise or maybe are more um, more in the consciousness this past year. And then the final piece related really core to volunteering was these were really some interesting and novel findings. Like we see that a majority of employees when asked, hey, do you want to donate, volunteer or do both? Most want to do both. They want that choice in how they engage. And then with volunteering in particular, a majority want to um, volunteer together in person with their colleagues. So that return to work piece um, can hopefully help a lot of the, maybe your audience who's thinking about, hey, how do we incentivize and get employees back into the office? Employees really do want to get back in person together with their team members, um, which was different from last year and the year before. I think we do saw much more of employees wanting to volunteer virtually. So that's shifted a lot. And um, it, like now, I think it was up to, it was like 96% of employees across the sample wanted to volunteer in person. That was closer to 50% or less in the previous years. Um, and and then is the last piece is the some of the value that employees are deriving, which was a, a net new learning for us and, and our customers as well, that nine out of 10 employees feel that participating in volunteer programs contributes to their personal and professional development. And, and that was a piece that we hadn't seen before. Um, it was a really interesting new learning and also kind of in line with something that we're seeing with a lot of our customers where, whether it's from a budget standpoint or even just like an organist, you know, structure governance standpoint, they're now more and more tying these programs um, and especially volunteering programs in with both their DEI work, but also in particular with their um, learning and development work, because they are seeing that employees really derive a lot of professional development from their community service. So I'm curious, what what does a virtual volunteer event look like? That's a great question. It, um, as I as I mentioned earlier, it's it's trying to not just be what an in-person event would be on Zoom or, you know, on Teams. And right. there there are some events uh, that work in both settings. So as an example, um, like we have a great nonprofit partner, Perscolis, and, and they their whole mission is just creating more diversity and equity, especially in the tech field. And um, and so they they uh, train volunteers that were either maybe previously incarcerated or, or folks finding new, um, may, wanting to make career shifts. They get them trained in technology efficiencies sectors. And so a great event that we do with a lot of customers is, is mock interviews where um, mm. our customers and their employees will, will do a one-on-one -on -one session with, Perscolis calls them their learners, but these other adults that, you know, it's just so tremendous. They're trying to, they've gone through the program, they're trying to get their first career in tech and having a one-on-one -on -one mock interview with someone who's who's done that, who's there and is where they're trying to get to is incredibly valuable for them and for the employee, incredibly valuable to be able to, to like immediately kind of lift someone up and help someone launch their career. Yeah. And so so that's one good example. And, and then a, another that's more, core to the virtual setting is is like 
um, uh, virtual mapathons, which is something that we do uh, pretty frequently. And we actually have a few that we do publicly that anyone can sign up for. And those are, um, it's a, I'm trying to do a very quick version of this explanation, but the disaster relief funding really COVID funding even, everything, you don't think about it, but everything is off of maps. And we also are we're kind of privileged or selfish in the US. Most of the rest of the world is not accurately mapped. So there's often, like we saw this during COVID, there wouldn't be funding sent to a place in, you know, in Africa or Asia or even Europe because on the map, it looks like no one lives there. But in reality, there's 500,000 people living there that were in need of aid and funding that aren't getting it because they're not on the map. And, and so we work with this amazing organization, humanitarian open street map team, and, and the actual virtual event is, is employees leveraging their mapping platform and this open source satellite imagery to like literally put people on the map. And it's this is a perfect one for a virtual setting and couldn't even be done in person. And it's like, the activity itself is like a mix of like Sims and Oregon Trail for the employees, but they're making an impact immediately. And and the actual work they're doing, which is becoming more and more critical, is um, when natural disasters will strike, all of the first responders, they also use maps to see like where are the people, where are buildings that maybe, you know, should be there but aren't because of a hurricane or an earthquake. And so mm. when you go through this event, you will be updating the maps so that first responders when they're responding in areas or disaster zones where natural disasters are more readily occurring um when the when it, when disaster might strike the first responders then have a full accurate accounting of all of the buildings all of the population and so that they can be as effective as possible in their in their relief efforts wow that's really cool. I, I literally had no idea what a virtual event would look like, and those are two amazing examples. Um, Jess, do you have any other questions? Otherwise, I know we're up against time here, so I was going to round us out. Yeah, go ahead and round us out, Mike. Okay, perfect. So a couple things. One, Joel, if you can tell everybody where they can learn more about um, yourself, Percent Pledge, maybe how they can connect with you. Uh, if, if they're just interested in learning more about, one, the platform, or two, just maybe networking with yourself and then also if this report is available somewhere where they can get it that would also be nice to hear yeah absolutely um and i i should know but i don't know the exact report link but i will send that over to you both and maybe i don't know if you're able to like if you could put in the show notes notes. yeah that would be great and for connecting with us just go to uh percentpledge.org just www.percentpledge.org and to learn more about our mission, to connect with us and our team, and as well across all social media, we're just at Percent Pledge, you know, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, and and then if folks want to connect with me as well, uh, please do so. And, you know, I'm not private about this. My email is very simple. It's just joel at percentpledge.org. And, and so if folks want to connect either on this topic or, you know, obviously new partnerships are talking about how they can you know, mm-hmm. either bring these programs or improve these at their company. That's that's what we're here for. Awesome. Well, this this has been amazing, Joel. Thank you so much for joining. I uh, love the mission you guys are on and uh, the platform sounds like it's 
doing great things for both employees and employers. So I hope everybody checks it out. Um, but again, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.